0: I mentioned in the last episode that the numbers we've explored so far 1, 3, 4, 7, and 10 all have a common theme. They all represent the idea of completeness and perfection, just from different angles or perspectives. The same is true with the number we're exploring today, the number 12. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. Before we get to the number 12, though, I'd like to go back to the episode on the number 7. In that episode, I mentioned that Bible scholars, whom I've researched, didn't agree on how many times the number seven occurs in the Bible, and I didn't know why. Well, I think I have at least a partial answer. There seem to be two variables. The first depends on what English translation one is referring to, and the other variable is how that particular translation translates numbers. I discovered this in researching how many times the number 12 occurs in the Bible. Here's an example from the New King James Version, Genesis 5, verse 8, which reads So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. The New King James Version spells out the number 12. The NIV, on the other hand, reads, Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. The NIV translates it as a cardinal number rather than as a word spelled out. It's, it's not a thing of great significance, but it does explain some of the differences in the count totals. The number 12 and its ordinal number, twelfth, occur over 200 times in the Bible. This makes it one of the most prominent numbers in the Bible, not just because of its frequency, but also because of what it represents. By the way, unlike the numbers 1, 3, 4, 7, and 10, the number 12 doesn't show up at creation, either overtly or in a hidden way. But the number 12 does show up throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation. It's another one of our Bible threads. The number 12 is similar to the number 7. Remember, the number 7 is the sum of the number 3, referring to God, plus the number 4, God's creation. 3 plus 4 equals 7. Now, you've got this already, don't you? 3 plus 4 equals 7, and 3 times 4 equals 12. God's interaction with his creation from two different perspectives. Let's check it out. In an earlier episode, we talked about how the letters of the Hebrew alphabet also double for numbers. The twelfth character of the Hebrew alphabet is Lamed, similar to the L sound in English. It literally means perfection or (laughs) crazy amazing wisdom. In addition to the number 12 signifying completeness and perfection, we'll see that it also signifies authority, God's authority. Now, a number of Bible scholars also speak about the number 12 symbolizing government. For example, they refer to the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament as government uh, entities. Now, for me, the word government suggests something that human beings are responsible for, instead of having the focus on God's authority. So instead of using the word government for God's Old Testament people, I'd like to suggest we focus on kingdom, God's kingdom, or to use New Testament language, the church. That's the capital C Church. The 12 tribes of Israel were more than just 12 governments. They were God's Old Testament people, God's Old Testament church. What do you think? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Let me know. There is an example, however, in the Bible where the number 12 could indeed symbolize government or rulers outside of God's Old Testament church. Let's start there. Before we get to the Twelve Tribes of Israel, we should talk a bit about the Twelve Tribes of Ishmael. Did you know that there were Twelve Tribes of Ishmael? They don't get a lot of attention. Ishmael was Abraham's son, born to his servant Hagar, whom Sarah had given to her husband to make a baby. From Sarah's perspective, she was never going to have children since she was 80-plus years old, even though... God had repeatedly promised that, he, that she would have a son. There are two places in Genesis that speak about the twelve sons of Ishmael. The first one is a verse that just makes reference to the twelve sons or tribes. Let me set the context. The Lord comes to Abraham one day with the repeated promise that he and Sarah would have a son. Now, let me read a section of Genesis 17, which leads up to the Lord's talking and blessing uh, on Ishmael. Upon hearing the Lord promise Abraham and Sarah's son, he, Abraham, fell down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing." Then God said, "Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard of, heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers." And I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. The difference between Abraham's son Isaac and his son Ishmael was that Isaac would receive God's covenant promise, Ishmael would not. The other place in Genesis where we hear about these 12 tribes is in chapter 25. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Ishmael, whom Sarah's slave Hagar, the Egyptian, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, listed in the order of their birth: Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael; Kedar, Adbeel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Hadad, Tima. Jetur, Nafish, and Kedemah. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these are the names of the twelve tribal rulers according to their settlements and camps. Ishmael lived 137 years. He breathed his last and died, and he was gathered to his people. His descendants settled in the area from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt, as you go down toward Ashur and they lived in hostility toward all the tribes related to them. The twelve tribes of Ishmael would settle in the region known today as Saudi Arabia, on the Sinai Peninsula, and they didn't get along with each other. Some of Ishmael's twelve sons, or rather their descendants, show up in other parts of the Old Testament. For example, Ishmael's second son, Kedar, and his descendants were known as Kedarites. The Kedarites were the military leaders among the twelve sons and tribes. Isaiah, in chapter 21, which is a chapter dealing with God's judgment on Israel's enemies, says this about the Kedarites. This is what the Lord says to me. Within one year, as a servant bound by contract would count it, all the splendor of Kedar will come to an end. The survivors of the archers, the warriors of Kedar, will be few. The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. In Ezekiel chapters 26 to 28, the prophet made three prophecies about the city of Tyre. All three prophecies are in the form of Hebrew poetry, songs. In the second song, Ezekiel makes reference to all the people and countries that Tyre traded with. One of them, was the Kedarites. It's just a brief reference. Arabia and all princes of Kedar were your customers. They did business with you in lambs, rams, and goats. By the way, in my podcast series entitled Storylines, I did three episodes on the songs of the Bible. If you're interested, check it out. The third episode explains the songs of Ezekiel. Another interesting reference to Kedar is in Jeremiah chapter 2. As Jeremiah prophesies against Israel for forsaking the Lord, that is, Yahweh, Jeremiah advises the people of Judah to check with Kedar and see if it is an ordinary thing for a nation to forsake their gods and turn to others like they did. Another son of Ishmael was named Timah. Job makes reference to Timah. As he laments his loss of wealth, he comments that the caravans of Timah and the armies of Sheba had hoped to plunder Job, but now he had nothing to plunder. By the way, Job's reference to one of Ishmael's sons suggests that Job lived around the time of Abraham or even later. There are several other references to the city of Tema in both the prophecies of Judah and Jeremiah. The 12 tribes of Ishmael would never be a part of God's covenant, his promise to send the Messiah. But because Ishmael was a son of Abraham, God blessed him and his descendants. And because the 12 tribes of Ishmael would never be a part of God's Old, uh, Old Testament covenant people, I think in this case you could say that the number 12 symbolizes government apart from God's Old Testament church. If you're interested in learning more about the 12 tribes of Ishmael, just do a web search. It's pretty fascinating. Well, let's talk about uh, the 12 sons of Jacob, who were part of God's covenant people. Do you recall in our last episode when we noted that Abraham was the 10th generation after Seth, who was a son of Noah? Well, that makes Jacob the 12th generation after Seth. And then during his life, God blessed Jacob with... Twelve sons, from four different mothers. Leah gave birth to half of the sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Leah's handmaid gave birth to two of them, Gad and Asher. Rachel's handmaid also gave birth to two, Dan and Naphtali. And Rachel? She gave birth to Joseph and Benjamin. Sometimes we talk about the 12 sons of Jacob, and at other times we talk about the 12 tribes of Israel. They're not exactly the same. First, let's look at the names of Jacob and Israel. The name Jacob means deceiver, trickster, or supplanter. It's a fitting name for someone who acquired his brother's uh, brother Esau's birthright for a bowl of stew and who tricked his father into giving him the blessing intended for Esau. Because of his deception, Jacob had to get out of Dodge because his brother Esau wanted to kill him. So Jacob fled to his uncle Laban's ranch, hundreds of miles to the north. That's where Jacob got married and raised his family. Twenty years passed, and the Lord told Jacob to return to his home to meet Esau. The night before he met Esau, Jacob ended up in a wrestling match with God. When morning came, the Lord said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. The name Israel means God prevails. It was a name change that reflected Jacob's changed heart. So, what about the 12 tribes of Israel? Let's fast forward to Jacob's son, Joseph, to whom Jacob gave a technicolor technicolor dream coat. This coat signified that Joseph was his favorite son. Add to that the fact that Joseph irritated his brothers with his dreams of all of them bowing down to him. The brothers hated Joseph so much that one day they sold him into slavery where he ended up in Egypt. Now fast forward to Joseph becoming the number two guy in all of Egypt, saving the Middle East from starvation, and eventually being reunited with his brothers. Then fast forward to Jacob and his entire clan moving to Egypt, where Jacob learned that Joseph was married and had two sons. If you want to know all the details that I skipped, Read or listen to Genesis 37-47. to 47. In my opinion, it's well worth knowing the highs and lows, the hatred and the grace of Jacob's family. Well, at the end of Jacob's life, he asked Joseph to bring to him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, considered Joseph's sons as his very own. Now, fast forward 400 years, the children of Israel are living as slaves in Egypt. Moses arrived on the scene and led them out of Egypt. They headed to Mount Sinai, where God gave them his law as his chosen people. Then they headed north, sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan, the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Two of the spies returned and said, God's got this, let's go. The other ten of the spies said that there were giants in the land and that they shouldn't go. The children of Israel got cold feet. Because they didn't trust the Lord, they wandered in the desert for the next 40 years. When they finally arrived in the land of Canaan and conquered it, the land was divided into 12 geographical regions, 12 tribes. But... At Mount Sinai, the Lord determined that the descendants of Levi, one of the sons, would be the priests and take care of the tabernacle. The Levites would be apportioned cities throughout the twelve tribes. So the Levites weren't counted among the twelve tribes, and neither was Joseph. So at the moment, there are only ten tribes. The other two tribes were the descendants of Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Make sense? From the twelve sons of Jacob became the twelve tribes of Israel. God's Old Testament people, God's Old Testament church. Also at Mount Sinai, the Lord gave Moses instructions for the tabernacle, also known as the Tent of Meeting. By the way, we never want to lose sight of the fact that the Lord himself designed the tabernacle. In the first room of the tabernacle, known as the Holy Place, There were to be twelve loaves of bread at all times. Those loaves were called the bread of presents. Not like Christmas presents, but like God's presents. During the dedication of the tabernacle, the leaders of Israel made an offering of twelve oxen. There were other offerings for the temple dedication as well. There were twelve silver platters, twelve silver bowls, twelve gold pans, that were used in the preparation of the sacrifices. The dedication of the tabernacle lasted 12 days. And on each day, a leader from one of the tribes would bring sacrifices that included a young bull, a ram, a male lamb, and a kid from among the goats. Now, not too long after the dedication, there was a rebellion against Moses and Aaron, led by Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They challenged Moses and Aaron's authority as leaders whom the Lord had chosen. Because they de facto rebelled against the Lord, the Lord opened up the earth and swallowed them and their households. 250 other men who had joined in the rebellion were also put to death by God. Now this should have been enough for the people to realize that the Lord had indeed chosen Moses and Aaron as their leaders. But the Lord wanted to give another visible reminder of whom he put in charge. He told Moses to gather a wooden staff from each of the leaders of the twelve tribes. Each leader was to write his name on his staff. On the staff from the tribe of Levi was written the name of Aaron. Moses then placed the twelve staffs in the tabernacle. The next day, Moses goes back into the tabernacle only to discover that Aaron's staff had budded, blossomed, and overnight had produced almonds. The Lord had confirmed Moses and Aaron as his chosen leaders. Aaron's staff was then put in front of the tabernacle as a constant reminder to God's Old Testament people. You can listen or read about this event in Numbers chapter 17. Let's move to the New Testament, where we see the number 12 showing up to symbolize Christ's New Testament church. It all begins with Jesus himself when he turned 12 years old. The 12th year of a Jewish boy's life was special. It was the final year of preparation before he entered full participation in the religious life of the synagogue. Up until this time, a Jewish boy would have been learning God's Old Testament laws, the Ten Commandments, other things about their religious life, from his parents, especially his father. At age 12, the boy went through a ceremony through which he became a son of the commandment, known in both Hebrew and English as a bar mitzvah. At age 12, Jesus chose to stay behind at the temple in Jerusalem to listen, to learn, to ask questions, and to answer questions with the Jewish religious leaders. Jesus, for the first time, personally puts himself under the law in his earthly mission to redeem those under the law. Eighteen years later, Jesus began his public ministry by calling twelve men to be his disciples. During his three-year ministry, Jesus sent out those twelve disciples as apostles, a word that means one sent out. Those apostles would eventually lead his church after he ascended into heaven. On Ascension Day, there were only eleven apostles because Judas had ended his own life. So shortly after Jesus' ascension, the apostles appointed Matthias to replace Judas. It was a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy which stated May another take his place of leadership. So there were again 12, 12 apostles to lead Christ's New Testament church. So the number 12 symbolizes the Lord's Old Testament church as well as Christ's New Testament church. Then, when we get to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we discover that the number 12 shows up to symbolize God's eternal heavenly church. In the Bible, numbers can have a literal meaning, such as Jesus having 12 apostles. At other times, numbers can have both a literal and symbolic meaning, such as the 12 apostles symbolizing the New Testament church. And sometimes numbers have only a symbolic meaning, as with many examples found in the visions in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 21, the apostle John sees a vision of a new heaven and a new earth, because the first earth had passed away. Then he sees the new Jerusalem, also referred to as the holy city. He saw this city coming down out of heaven, prepared by God for all believers. Then later in the chapter, we get a description of the new Jerusalem. It is highly figurative language using images from the Old Testament tabernacle-slash-temple. The measurements and the other features of the New Jerusalem are all the number 12, or multiples of 12. Here is how John described the city he saw in this vision. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, as clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles. The New Jerusalem brought together the Old Testament church and the New Testament church. Now, there's more to say about the number 12 in the book of Revelation when, it, when multiples of 12 appear, such as the 24 thrones and the 24 elders, and the 144 cubits, 12 times 12, and the 144,000, 12 times 12 times 10 times 10 times 10. We'll explore these numbers and others in a future episode where we'll examine multiples of the numbers we've already considered. Now, before we wrap up, I just want to emphasize one point. Numbers in the Bible can give us clues into deeper symbolic meaning in the biblical text. But we always have to make sure that the context of the passage aligns with the typical symbolism of that number. For example, not every number 12 is a reference to completeness or perfection or to the church. Sometimes the number 12 is just a number 12. For example... At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned Noah's son, Seth, living to be 912 years old. In the case of Seth, there is likely no significance to the fact that he lived 12 years past the age of 900. Man, that's a long time to live, don't you think? Twelve. It's one of the Bible threads that extends from Genesis to Revelation. In our next episode, we'll explore the number 40. Until then. If you have any thoughts or questions about this podcast, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. I'd love to hear from you. Are you aware of all the content Time of Grace offers to help you grow in your faith and life? Video messages, video devotions, daily email devotions, weekly blogs and podcasts. And there is an entire archive of great content as well. Check it out at timeofgrace.org.